Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 1 to 19. I'll just quickly pray for us. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll bless us as we read your word and that you will bring us together as we think about um, what you want us to understand from this passage. Lord, I pray that you'll bless David as he um, gives the sermon and that um, we will each deepen our understanding of what you want for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigianos. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. <clears throat> in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendour was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With, your own with his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. This is the word of the Lord. Habakkuk is a beautiful gem of a book written by a prophet who started out wrestling with God but ended up worshipping him. The distressed prophet who was complaining over the unchecked sin of his country in the first part of chapter 1 was amazed at God's disclosure that he had already prepared an instrument to judge Judah, namely Babylon. Habakkuk was shocked. He expressed his dilemma to God and waited for an answer. The answer came in chapter 2 in the form of a dirge that Habakkuk was instructed to record. Learning of God's just plan to destroy Babylon 
Habakkuk bowed in humble adoration, a majestic prayer and hymn of praise followed in chapter 3. His prayer in chapter 3 is a pinnacle of praise and one of the grandest in the Bible. It is the mountaintop destination of a journey that began in the valley of distress and doubt of chapter 1. I'm sure there are brothers and sisters listening to me this morning who have wrestled with God. There have been times when the circumstances in life have caused questions to arise in your heart that have gone unanswered. Times when your faith has been shaken and it seemed like God just wasn't coming true. I pray that Habakkuk's powerful prayer in chapter 3 will help us when we find ourselves in times of uncertainty and insecurity. The revelation of God to Habakkuk in chapter 2 changed him. His circumstances have not changed, but he had changed. He is now walking by faith instead of by sight. He is living by God's promises not by human reasonings. Originally, he was concerned with iniquity and injustice as it affected his personal world and his nation. Then he was concerned with violence and injustice within the whole world and how God dwelt with the world. Now that he had encountered the Lord in a fuller, deeper way. He started to be concerned about God and focus on God and his majestic glory. So he humbly laid his heart back. He begin and begins a new section of the oracle with the words, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. He had come to understand that God's way was beyond him. But through faith and meditation, they are glorious to him. Habakkuk recorded this prayer of praise as a hymn that can be used in public worship. The word shijinot is a liturgical or worship term. Habakkuk was no passive spectator of the sad spiritual decline of Judah nor was he a passive recipient of the coming judgment. These disclosures of God stirred him deeply and caused him to pray. The profound burden of the prophet's heart is expressed in verse 2. Habakkuk had heard God's purposes to discipline Judah and then destroy Babylon. The report filled him with apprehension. God's answer was beyond simple human understanding, and God's sovereignty is an awesome reality. The disturbed prophet finds his outlet for his burden in prayer, which begins with two petitions. His first request is for the revival of God's working in the world and in individual lives. Habakkuk pleaded that God would reenact his deeds of power. 
the prophet's second request evolved out of his first request. God was going to judge Israel because of the presence of sin. His discipline was going to be a difficult experience. The prophet realized that Judah deserved to be chastened and that God's discipline would work out for their good. His intercession was that God's heart of love would reveal itself in mercy. Habakkuk did not ask to escape the needed chastising, but pleaded for God to remember mercy when he judges. This reminds us that in the midst of present COVID-19 pandemic, we as a children of God ought to pray for a fresh manifestation of God's deeds and mercy. Verse 3 declares that the visible power of God was manifested on earth. Habakkuk saw God coming down again as he did for his people at Mount Sinai. He came down to liberate his covenant people. Timon and Mount Paran were both in the region south of Dead Sea. It was in this area that God's formation of Israel began in earnest after the Exodus. This was there he performed many wonders as he led, protected, and shaped his people through the wilderness journey to the Promised Land. Verse 3 deals with the extent of God's coming, and verses 4 to 6 point out some of the effects. Verse 4 illustrates the coming of God's glory as seen in the light of the sun at sunrise. The Lord was illuminating the world with the rays of sunlight. The rays were freshers of light and power emanating from His presence. The unseen God also has hidden powers at His disposal. Verse 5 says, Before Him went pestilence and plates followed close behind. Habakkuk saw that as God moved across the land, pestilence and plates accompanied him. Pestilence and plates are attributed to divine agency as part of God's judgment. At his will, God can strike down his enemies with plates like he did with the templates of Egypt. Habakkuk's vision of God coming down and moving across the land reached a climax in verse 6. God stood still and surveyed the earth as if to measure it for his actions. His very presence caused the earth to shake as it is convulsed by earthquakes. Furthermore, it causes the nations to tremble just by a mere grunt. His shaking of all things is further described as shattering of the eternal mountains and crumbling of the everlasting hills into dust. Verse 7 
Verse 7, the distress of the peoples of the earth is now brought into focus. The nations are illustrated by Kushan and Median. These nations would have been the first to experience God's coming to visit his people. The tents speak of their nomadic assistance. These peoples are under distress because they were worshipping idols, which were gods of their own making, instead of the creator warrior of Israel. Next, we come to verses 8 to 15. Habakkuk's attention is now drawn from the awesome appearance of God to a description of God's acts on earth. God's mighty acts and judgments of the past brought about deliverance for his people. Habakkuk drew the faith and joy that he needed to face the uncertain future of adversity from these well springs. Verses 8 to 15 can be divided into two sections. Verses 8 to 11 and verses 12 to 15. The first section, verses 8 to 11, describe how God uses nature in judgments. Verse 8 contains three rhetorical questions. In this new section, God is directly addressed in the second person, you. It begins with three questions which center around God's motive for his appearance which causes such forceful reactions upon the earth and in the heavens. Was God rough against the rivers? And at the sea, was God angry with nature? No. God was not displeased with nature. He was displeased with man. He was using nature as a tool to demonstrate his power. God had exhibited his power by smiting the Nile River, the Red Sea, and the Jordan River. Similarly, God will use the power of nature to smite the nations. His motives was to destroy his enemies and deliver his people. God was seen as a victor, riding forth with his horses and chariots in majestic power to bring deliverance for his people. More of God's arsenals joins the battle in verse 9. The bow and arrows of God are ready for action. They will be used to attack the Lord's adversaries. The third line indicates that God's actions and power can be seen in the carving out of nature. He splits the earth toward the rivers. Verse 10 continues the thought of the earth's reaction at the advance of the Lord of hosts. The mountain thrives at his presence. 
the deep gave forth its voice in recognition of God's power. God's power as seen in the parting of the Red Sea and the Jordan River can cause tremendous upheavals in nature. Verse 11, that even the celestial bodies acknowledge their creator. The sun and moon are highly visible symbols of God's created order. As they are always there and always on time, they represent consistency and permanence. Their inactivities indicates the interruption of the time-space order. In Joshua chapter 10, the sun and moon stood still at Gibeon in their respective places in heaven because he is their creator and the creator of nature law. He holds sovereignty over them. He can work his wonders not only on earth, sea, and among the nation, but in the highest heavens as well. When his lightning flashes, even the light of the sun and moon are pale by comparison. Lightning racing towards his target in compared to the arrows of God. In summary, verses 8 to 11 recall how God demonstrated his power when he delivered his people out of Egypt and led them in the conquest of the promised land. The second section, verses 12 to 15, depicts God's judgment amongst the nations. Verse 12 states that in history, God marched through his word, dealing justice to the nations. Habakkuk envisioned God moving like a thundering giant who treads through the earth. In anger, he trembles the nation. God trod across the land, earth to crush sinful people and bring deliverance to Israel. Verse 13 gives the reason for God's intervention. In the days of old, God's coming forth meant to crush the head of the house of the wicked and to deliver his own people and his anointed. The phrase, your anointed, refers to the king of Judah. God is ever faithful to his people and to his anointed. The final two verses of this Ode of God's self-revelation speak of the ultimate destruction of the enemy. Verse 14 tells of God's turning the tables on those who attack his people. The barbaric ungodly hosts were pictured as getting ready to storm into battle delighted to prey upon the defenders. But the situation was suddenly reversed by the power of God. The attackers of God's people were thrown into panic and confusion, and God caused them to destroy each other with their own weapons. Verse 15 
the recital of God's marvelous acts in history bring this section to close. The creator warrior trampled the sea with his horses. This refers to one of his most spectacular of miracles, God taking his people through the Red Sea. The pursuing Egyptian were trod under by the seas and mighty waters as God wrought deliverance for his people. Whatever God did in history for his people is willing and able to do again. Is there any God like our God? The recollection of the majestic and mighty deeds of God apparently assures Habakkuk. The book ends on a note of confident hope. Habakkuk was gripped by fear as he recounted the mighty deeds of God in the past. In verse 16, he said, I hear and I tremble within. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enter into my bones and my steps tremble beneath me. Habakkuk said in the second half of the verse that he was waiting for the day of God's judgment to come. I wait quietly for the day of calamity to come upon the people who attack us. He knows what is coming, and yet because of what he knows about God, he will not scramble to fear. He is placing his faith in the hands of God as devastation makes its way to his homeland. Habakkuk says in verses 17 and 18, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit in is on the vines, though the produce of, of the oil fields, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there's no herd in the store, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. Finally, Habakkuk proclaimed in faith, God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. Hallelujah. Habakkuk was about to go under when he started this book. Destruction, violence, strife, conflict, injustice, and wickedness were all that he could see. But he cried out to God and his cry did not go unheeded. The Lord not only answered his complaint, but also provided the confidence needed to leave him from the quagmire. Habakkuk started in the pits, but ended on the mountain top. His journey was not exactly an easy one, but it was certainly worth it. In this final chapter, there is a shift of emotion in Habakkuk. 
the questions are gone. Habakkuk rejoices in God's goodness. Perplexity has been replaced with praise. Worries have been replaced with worship. Fear has been replaced with faith. Habakkuk's strength is renewed. There's a joy in his heart and his faith is increased. What caused this remarkable change? Why did Habakkuk begin with a complaint and end with a song of praise? What can we learn from his experience? First, change of perspective. The key is by fixing his eyes on God, Habakkuk rose above his discouraging circumstances and found a source of lasting joy in the Lord. God doesn't always change our circumstances, but he can change us to meet our circumstances. That's what it means to live by faith. The sovereign Lord gives triumph over circumstances to those who trust him. Second, back to the basics. Like Hapaka, when our faith is being shaken by things we don't understand, we need to go back and remember some of those foundational things about our God that we do understand. These are, there are times when we need to quickly get back to the basics and remember who God is. Remember he, what He has done for us. Remember what He has promised to us. Third, recollect the deeds of God. We need to remember all that God has done in the past need to remember his deeds, his power, his strength. Need to be all struck once again. Need to make our own statement of his strength and power and work in our lives. Habakkuk's meditation on the fame and awesome deeds of the Lord led him to make a heartfelt compassionate request of his Lord. Do these deeds in our day, Lord. May we also have the similar experience. Fourth, wait and seek God. Hapaka teaches us to face our doubts and questions honestly. Take them humbly to the Lord. Wait for his word to teach us and then worship him no matter how we feel or what we see. Like the prophet, we too must walk by faith and look forward to the glorious time when Jesus will return to earth to set up his kingdom of peace and righteousness. Maintaining our confidence in him is the secret of true joy. We have a great example of how we can trust God in every season of life in Habakkuk. 
despite how you feel, despite your circumstances, your faith in God will sustain you. God is sovereign. God is in control. And He is a God who listens and responds to His people. May God help us to have faith in every season of life. Amen.